Garden Basics with Farmer Fred is brought to you by Smart Pots, the original, lightweight, long-lasting fabric plant container. It's made in the USA. Visit smartpots.com Fred for more information and a special discount. That's smartpots.com Fred. Welcome to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. If you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information, well, you've come to the right spot. For many backyard gardeners right now in USDA Zone 9, it's citrus fruit harvest time. And before you know it, everyone else will be in fruit picking mode come summer. Do you have the right equipment for harvesting fruit? Do you know the best ways to do it to help ensure that the fruit will last longer in the kitchen? We talk with a fruit picking expert. He's organized a tree fruit gleaning program that collects unwanted fresh fruit from backyard gardens and distributes it to the needy. Also, just because it's winter, that doesn't mean all you get to do is sit indoors and sharpen your tools. Uh, that is a good idea. But you know, your yard could use a little winterizing cleanup to thwart this spring and summer's pest problems. We have those quick tips on this, the inaugural episode of Season 3. We're podcasting from Barking Dog Studios here in the beautiful Abutilon jungle in suburban purgatory. It's the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast, brought to you today by Smart Pots and Dave Wilson Nursery. And we'll do it all in under 30 minutes. Let's get started. If you have any fruit trees in your yard, well, good for you. But do you know how to pick fruit? Do you have the right equipment for picking fruit? It's not as simple as you might think. There's a lot of things you need to consider, not the least of which is, why are you on a ladder picking fruit? Why don't you keep your fruit trees at a size that you can manage from the ground? And you can certainly do that. We've talked about that on this podcast a lot. But let's get back to picking fruit. We're talking with Matthew Ampersand. He is with Community Fruit, which is a division of Find Out Farms in the Sacramento area. They do some great work. They actually collect fruit from people's backyards that people don't want and distribute it to the needy. It's a wonderful uh, project that he's involved with. Matthew, thanks for talking with us here on Garden Basics. Tell us a little bit about how Find Out Farms and Community Fruit got started. Well, that's a great question, Fred. Thanks for having me on, first of all. Find Out Farms started in 2019 when my partner and I moved to Sacramento from the Bay Area. We both love food. We're people who are passionate about food access and food sovereignty. I have a background in informal science education, and I decided that we would start our own project where people could learn more about food at their own pace based on their own interests. So Find Out Farms is all about finding out more about what you're eating and where it's coming from. And Community Fruit was a project that got started because as we walked around our neighborhood here in South Oak Park in Sacramento, we saw fruit rotting on the ground. Whereas in South Oak Park, we're in what is considered a food desert. People have to walk at least a mile to get to the grocery store. A lot of our neighbors don't have vehicles. So a mile long walk with groceries is pretty hard to do. Meanwhile, there's fruit rotting on the ground. So we connected these two dots. We took the fruit before it went to the waste stream and gave it to our neighbors who are very appreciative of fresh, healthy food. That project grew and grew, and now we're harvesting thousands and thousands of pounds of fruit on a regular basis and giving it to folks in the community who appreciate it. And here in the Sacramento area, picking fruit can almost be a year-round uh, vocation simply because even in the wintertime, there's a lot of citrus to harvest. In fact, I, I bet, and you would be more of the expert on this, there's probably 
more unused citrus in people's backyards than there are other fruit trees that uh, develop throughout the year. Absolutely. So community fruit is a program that goes year round. We, we harvest fruit in the community and share it year round. That being said, you're totally right. January is wild time for us. And so is February. It's peak citrus season and there are thousands of pounds of fruit going to waste in people's backyards. If you have one grapefruit tree, especially if it's an old established grapefruit tree, it can produce sometimes 800 pounds of fruit, which even if you love grapefruit and you eat it every day, several times a day, you're not going to eat 800 pounds of grapefruit. <laughs> no, but other people will. So it's, it's one thing to get in there and pick the fruit or maybe uh, distribute the fruit is, is a bigger problem. Uh, which is it? Both sides of the equation are, are interesting and they present their own challenges and benefits. Many folks are really excited to have us come and pick the fruit from their backyards. Otherwise, it would be you know a, a, an attractant for squirrels and other kinds of rodents. So they're excited to get the fruit out of their yard before it goes to waste. Getting up into the trees sometimes is challenging. Some of the, like I said, some of these grapefruit trees especially are really tall and uh, haven't necessarily been cared for in ways that make them easy to harvest. And so you have a lot of volunteers. How many volunteers do you have working with you? Well, uh, we are working to get our volunteer base larger than it is right now. We have just a few uh, dedicated volunteers who go out on a regular basis. A lot of folks think they want to go out and harvest fruit, and then they do it once, and they realize it is actually a lot of work to climb up a ladder, get into a thorny citrus tree, and then move hundreds of pounds of fruit. It's not for everybody, but those who do it and, and do it regularly really do enjoy it. Find Out Farms uh, has the educational portion as that you talked about, and uh, community fruit is just a wonderful idea. And I imagine that a lot of the uh, techniques you used, you are also uh, uh, telling the people who work with you, uh, picking the fruit, about how best to pick fruit. I noticed a picture of you in the Sacramento Bee recently where you looked uh, totally outfitted for picking fruit. You had the right ladder. You looked like you were wearing the right clothes. Talk a little bit about how you pick fruit. Absolutely. So a lot of these citrus trees especially have pretty significant prickles or thorns. And uh, if you're putting your hands and arms in there regularly, you're going to get scratched up unless you're wearing durable long sleeves. I recommend that folks wear gloves. If you have snips, a lot of the citrus fruit doesn't want to get yanked off the tree. It wants to be snipped off the tree. You'll notice, especially with things like uh, mandarins, for example, if you pull them forcefully off the tree, you'll rip the top of it off, which dramatically shortens the shelf life of the fruit. And if unless you're going to eat it right that second, you really want to be able to have it on your countertop for a few days well, as you get to it. Very good point is that you want it to last uh, for uh, quite a while. We'll have a link in the show notes as well as in the uh, Garden Basics newsletter that'll come out this week about how to best store fruit. The University of California, Davis, has a great one-sheet piece of information that you can hang in your uh, kitchen somewhere that will tell you the best places to store the fruit that you're harvesting, be it on the counter or in the refrigerator or a combination of both. So we'll have that link for you, along with links to find out farms and their community fruit program. Uh, I would imagine your program, of course, uh, needs some equipment. Absolutely. Yeah. So as I mentioned, we are a really small organization right now and we're looking to scale up because of the fact that there's literally tons of fruit going to waste right now. So we're becoming a, an official nonprofit entity. We're having a little fundraiser to get more infrastructure and equipment. People can learn all more about that at findoutfarms.com. 
if anyone wants to volunteer, we absolutely would love to have more volunteer help as well as more help supporting our infrastructure and our project. It is a community project because, you know, it's community fruit. So we really appreciate the community support. And besides distributing all the fruit you're collecting to various organizations, you being basically a farmer, you have a food stand. We do. Every last Saturday of the month, we have a free fruit stand where we give out as much fruit as people would like to have, regardless of their background or where they're coming from. If you want free fruit, you can have it every Saturday. And that's or sorry, every last Saturday of the month. It's uh, in the morning until the early afternoon. And where is the location? We are located in South Oak Park. You can find us at Parker and Howard, the cross streets right there. Look for the yellow sign that says Find Out Farms. Now, for those of you who are listening to us who are outside the Sacramento area, which is most of you, I would like to point out that there is a great website you can go to where you can find the uh, food bank or food pantry nearest you that not only is handing out food, but maybe taking your donations. And that's what ampleharvest.org is all about. If you have excess produce and you're not in the Sacramento area or wherever you may be in the United States, go to ampleharvest.org. Dot org, and you can find the food bank or food pantry nearest you that is taking donations as well as distributing food. I, I recommend it highly. They're doing great work. They, too, are a volunteer organization. And, of course, uh, Matthew, you're just getting started basically with Community Fruit and expanding Find Out Farms. And there are ways for people who want to support you, aren't there? There are. If folks want to support the work that we're doing, we have the Community Fruit Project. We're also a community compost hub. And we are striving to have educational programming for the public by the summer of 2022. So if people want to support this work, we would love that help. The best way that people can do that is by supporting our Patreon. So patreon.com backslash findoutfarms. And that little bit of a monthly donation really helps us every month to do what this work. Now, I notice uh, that you're wearing prime farming gear right now and it's I, I don't see how anybody who spends a lot of time gardening or even doing a small farm couldn't wear and that's overalls that's right yeah they have a lot I of pockets my, uh, <laughs> they do and in fact look i think actually oh no i thought i had my clips right here but i just have a utility knife okay um, yeah usually i keep my clips right in my front pocket and uh, what sort of speaking of uh, equipment that you use for pruning fruit, you mentioned snips. What were what are they in particular? So I use snips that are meant for either harvesting apples or for citrus specifically. There are these little, very robust snips and they um, they don't need to be sharpened nearly as often as regular pruners. And they just are kind of like um, if you if you've ever seen a, a clipper for dogs, toenails, they're sort of like that. Hmm. And they're fast, they're easy, they're small, they fit in your hand or fit in your front pocket of your overall. Right. Okay. So uh, no brand uh, jumps out at you as far as what it is. I, you know, you can find them from basically anyone who sells any orchard supply equipment. There's an unfortunate brand named Corona. They, they have some that are affordable and pretty reliable. Exactly. Uh, Corona, Felco, Sandvik, they all have some excellent small pruners, sort of like needle nose pruners, if you will. So you can really get into those tight spaces and clip the stem, especially on uh, a thorny citrus bush where you're trying to get in and, and get the fruit without getting stabbed. Yeah, you don't want a, a Meyer lemon to bite you. Yeah, yeah. Meyer lemon's famous for uh, their thorns. I also noticed in that picture that was in the paper review, you had a orchard ladder. And for people who don't know what an orchard ladder is, talk about 
why that's so important if you're climbing a ladder and getting fruit. Well, a typical A-frame ladder, you know, has those four legs. So there's the the side you climb up and then usually the side you don't climb up. Sometimes they're climbable on either side, but they have four legs, which makes getting it into the body of the tree really challenging. A harvest ladder or an orchard ladder has basically just a pole on one side and then the side that you climb on, the two legs. That pole can fit in between branches and get closer to the base of the tree. It also sticks itself in the in the soil pretty well. A lot of the places where we're harvesting are backyards and covered in grass and sometimes wet and slippery. And that pole really holds itself nicely in position. Gets you closer into the fruit and doesn't move around while you're up 14 feet up in the air. Very good. Yeah. For anybody who has a lot of fruit trees that are out of control, if they're over 10 feet tall, you do really want an orchard ladder because of the stability that uh, it uh, provides, uh, especially on uneven surfaces. Yeah, that's right. But of course, if you're just starting your backyard orchard, you can keep your trees, your fruit trees, your and keep them as bushes and keep them at six feet, eight feet tall and still have enough food for you and your family and plenty left over for people like Matthew Ampersand and uh, Community Fruit or whatever organization is in your neighborhood of food pantries or food banks that are taking donations of backyard produce. More information about Backyard Orchard Culture, we'll have a link to that in the show notes and also in the uh Garden Basics, Beyond Basics newsletter that'll come out this week as well. We've talked with Matthew about uh, going into people's backyards and picking fruit, and I imagine some of those trees have never been pruned. They they could be 20, 25 feet tall, especially citrus trees and many other varieties as well. And sometimes you just can't get in there with a ladder. It's true. Some of these, these trees are even much taller than 25 feet. I've been in yards where there's a grapefruit tree towering over me at around 60 feet, and that fruit just isn't accessible with normal equipment. So if anyone has an extra bucket truck sitting around, I used to operate heavy equipment, and I would love to get up and get all of that fruit to folks who would really appreciate it. And, of course, all you need then is access to the yard to get there. But how far away does that truck have to be for you to be able to raise the bucket to get the fruit? Depends on the size of the truck. Uh, You know, the taller, the better. All right. If you have that extra bucket truck just sitting in the back doing nothing, you can contact Matthew by going to which email address? They can reach out to communityfruit916 at gmail.com. Communityfruit916, which happens to be the area code for Sacramento. So that's communityfruit916 at gmail.com. Matthew, and of course, you can find out more online, the website findoutfarms.com as well, where you can find out more about community fruit. Yeah, if you're going to be picking fruit, have the right equipment, do it right, store it correctly. Matthew Ampersand doing great work with Community Fruit and Find Out Farms. Matthew, thanks for a few minutes of your time. Thanks so much, Fred. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Smart Pots. It's the original award-winning fabric planter. It's sold worldwide, and Smart Pots are proudly made 100% in the USA. Smart Pots, by the way, are BPA-free with no risk of chemicals leaching into your soil, your herbs, vegetables, and other edibles. That's why organic growers prefer Smart Pots, and they last for years. Some gardeners have been using the same smart pots for over a decade. 
SmartPot's breathable fabric creates a healthy root structure for plants. Because the fabric breathes, SmartPots are better suited than plastic pots, especially for really hot and really cold climates. And unlike a plastic pot, the fabric won't crack or break from frost or when dropped. For more information, visit smartpots.com slash Fred. And don't forget that slash Fred part, because on that page are details of discounts when you buy SmartPots at Amazon. Visit smartpots.com slash Fred. If you haven't shopped at your favorite independently owned nursery lately, you know something you're missing out. Now arriving at California, Arizona, and Texas nurseries are Dave Wilson Nursery's excellent lineup of farmer's market favorites of great tasting, healthy fruit and nut varieties. They're already potted up and ready to be planted. We're talking about almonds, blackberries, blueberries, boysenberries, figs, grapes, hops, kiwi, mulberries, olives, pomegranates, and a lot more. For you gardeners in the Pacific Northwest, Mountain, and Southern states, look for Dave Wilson's Farmer's Market favorites in January and February. You want more? Well, by the second week in January, you're going to find your favorite Dave Wilson bare root deciduous fruit trees in stock, including my favorite, the plum apricot cross, the pluot. Wholesale grower Dave Wilson Nursery has probably the best lineup of great-tasting fruit and nut varieties of any grower in the United States. Find out more at their website, DaveWilson.com. And while you're there, check out all the videos they have on how to plant and grow all their delicious varieties of fruit and nut trees. Plus, at DaveWilson.com, you're going to find the nursery nearest you that carries Dave Wilson's plants. Your harvest to better health begins at DaveWilson.com. Debbie Flower is here, our favorite retired college horticultural professor, with a quick tip about the importance of winter cleanup in the garden. Who wants to go outside? It's cold <laughs> and yucky out there. It, but but once it, you get out there, it's uh, invigorating. Yeah. You know what's underneath all that junk you left in your garden? Next year's bugs. Next year's bugs, and and in that stuff that has fallen which is typically leaves so it can contain flowers it can contain old fruit uh are disease spores or the the mm -hmm. origins of disease and so it's really important in winter to get the crap that's good that's good <laughs> which is it's organic crap it's, it's organic matter right yeah. out of uh, from under the plants out of your vegetable garden move it to the compost pile that's definitely fine uh it will get uh, attacked there by other uh, organisms that kill the disease or kill the bugs, uh, but get it away from your plants and, if possible, put down a new layer of mulch, particularly under things like roses, uh, fruit trees. Uh, and if there are any fruit hanging in the fruit trees that, uh, I'm not citrus, citrus is bearing right now, but other fruit trees, cherries, pears, apples, uh, take those off the plant and get rid of them. I would throw them away just because they have such a large load of disease in them. Don't leave them on the plant. They will just allow diseases to proliferate and spread to other parts of the plant. Bye-bye, mummy. <laughs> yes, the, those are called mummy fruit. Yes. Uh, all right, so cleanup is important uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, next year's weed seeds, too, are uh, resting comfortably underneath all that debris. Yes, and so uh, you can't get rid of all of them. That You can't 
rake all the seeds out, there will be another layer beneath them. Weeds are very good at living for years and years in seed form uh, in, in the landscape, and they will come up for decades in some cases from the seed bank from one year. So a new layer of mulch laid out is a really good idea once you've gotten rid of what you can get rid of. All right. Can we do something with that old mulch? I mean, I, I paid good money for that. No, I didn't. I just got it from a tree trimmer. But the fact of the matter is, I don't want to get rid of mulch that maybe it has some peach leaf curl in it. Could I move that to some non-prunus area? You could do that. I would rather put it in the compost pile and then put a layer of, of um, leaves, let's say, on top of it and let nature consume the infecting agent. And by the time it's broken down, your kids can use it. <laughs> I don't think it takes quite that long. Depends how hot your compost right. pile is. Yeah. But you don't have to remove a lot of mulch. You just have to remove the gunk. Uh, and it leaves break down fairly quickly. If your mulch is a, a wood product, it takes much longer to break down. And you don't need to remove that. You just need to remove the leaves that are buried in it. And probably a good idea to have like three or four or five or six dry days uh, between uh, when you think about it and when you actually do it in order to maybe facilitate removing, especially of leaves. Wet leaves are more difficult to remove. Yes, wet leaves are more difficult to remove. My husband likes to use the blower to get rid of the wet leaves. Uh, and then the uh, other device, the yard vacuum, which sucks mm. them up and grinds them and then they break down really fast. If they're just plain leaves that fell off the tree, they don't have disease in them, then we can put them in other parts of the landscape. If they have peach leaf curl or they have powdery mildew or something, then they will go into the compost pile. I always like to wait until the last leaf has fallen. <laughs> before I begin that process, because I only want to do it once. Yeah, I have mixed feelings about that because they they pile up and then they hold more moisture. Depends how many you have. You don't have very many big trees in your yard. I have an oak tree next door that and, <laughs> visits you. <laughs> yeah, that, that the wind blows in this direction. Yeah, I have platinus on both, two sides of me that the wind blows in, in my direction. That would yeah. be a sycamore for you uh, Latin <laughs> fans out there. Yeah, we've done it about three times to, to get it the piles off the driveway and that sort of thing. All right. Clean up. Very important. Uh, put it on your to-do list. Make it a New Year's resolution as well. Is uh, uh, A clean garden is a happy garden. Mm -hmm. And you'll feel good having gone out and done the work and been in the little bit of sunshine that is available outside. You might even find a new plant coming up. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Debbie Flower, thanks for helping us uh, do some winter cleanup here. Okay. My pleasure. Because there are so many demands on your time these days, well, I like to keep the Garden Basics podcast to under 30 minutes. But still, there's a lot more to tackle on all the garden subjects we bring up on the podcast. So for that and a lot more, we're starting up the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred newsletter. It'll be on Substack. It'll go into more details about what you just heard on the latest podcast, so, yes, it will be a good supplement for the Garden Basics podcast, but there will be a lot more garden-related material and, uh, you know, probably pictures of my dogs and cats as well. It's the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred newsletter. It's on Substack. And best of all, it's free. There's a link in today's show notes. Or just go to Substack.com and do a search for the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred. That's Substack.com. The Garden Basics with Farmer Fred Newsletter. Did I tell you it's free? It's free. 
Garden Basics comes out every Tuesday and Friday. It's brought to you by Smart Pots. Garden Basics is available wherever podcasts are handed out, and that includes Apple, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, Google, Podcast Addict, CastBox, and Pocket Casts. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and leaving comments. We appreciate it.